0: It's Monday, October 21st, 2019. And today we are continuing our study on Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. And we will be joined by Tim Christ, our Manager of Church Partnerships, as he leads us through chapter three of Robert Coleman's Classic. Well, it is
1: great to be with you today and thanks for joining us. We're in chapter three of the Master Plan of Evangelism by Dr. Robert Coleman. And uh, today we look at consecration. So, so far, uh, through the book, we've had uh, the apostles selected by Jesus in chapter 1 of the book, and then we had him in association with them on a regular basis, chapter 2. And that was so that he could teach them, he could lead them, he could model for them what it was that he expected as he was calling them, and calling them to follow him and to be fishers of men. Now we shift into chapter 3, consecration, and consecration is a dedication to service, and in this context it's a dedication to serve Jesus um, through everything that we come across. It is a dedication to serve him and to be faithful and loyal to him. So as as, uh, Coleman starts off this chapter, he says that Jesus expected the men he was with to obey him. They were not required to be smart, but they had to be loyal, and this would become a distinguishing mark by which they were known. His requirements here for discipleship uh, is not so much to be the smartest person in the room, but it's to be loyal and obedient over and above uh, where our knowledge is. It's not discounting the importance of knowledge, but rather setting it in its rightful place. Because with, with knowledge and the growth of knowledge comes the responsibility of application of that knowledge. So we can have all of uh, the proper theological knowledge that we want, But without application, it is simply knowledge for knowledge's sake. And without application, as we read in 1 Corinthians uh, 8, it is that knowledge just puffs up. When we have knowledge and we do nothing with it, we don't share it, we don't put it into play, it is just a puff up. And even those with a lot of knowledge uh, can still, without application, without that uh, rooted uh, in us by the Spirit, can can, um, show dead faith because faith without works is dead. Uh, so our loyalty and our obedience to Jesus uh, needs to be uh, coming from knowledge. It needs to be um, coming out of that, but it's not just to, to that we are to grow in knowledge. We, we continue on the path. So um, it, it speaks of uh, Jesus as the leader of these men. And uh, on page 50, Uh, He says, no one will follow a person in whom he or she has no trust, nor sincerely take the step of faith unless he or she is willing to obey what that leader says. So our loyalty and obedience to any leader, but especially to Jesus, is built upon our trust of that leader. It's built upon a foundation of trust, and with that, we have solid footing under us. We must walk in faith, and we must walk in trust of Christ, first and foremost, who authored and who will perfect our faith in, in, that we see in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, where he says, the writer says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus, there's that trust and that faith in Jesus, as we as we run this race, we look to him, we trust in him, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is sitting sitting, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. So trust and faith here go hand in hand. Trust and faith take the place of self-righteousness and, and of self-centeredness. Because with that trust and that faith, we're, we're replacing who we are at the core with who Christ is. Is And without this, we cannot possibly follow Jesus as we're instructed, as we're expected and commanded to do. We are to sacrifice self for the greater good of the kingdom. And so sacrifice and obedience is to come second nature to Christians who are following Jesus. It was Jesus who modeled this mindset for his, his believers to see, to absorb that modeling and to obey what it is that he had laid out for them. And obedience is what we as Christ followers are called to. On page 51, uh, we see that our faith has, as Coleman notes, it has a cross in it. Uh, he says there's a cross in it and that it is our faith, um, the devotion to, to, to Christ. It says that the, the willing self-denial uh, for others. So as we have this faith and this faith with a cross planted firmly in the middle of it, that cross resembling the death of Christ, that self sacrifice that he put out there uh, to show that it was not about uh, what he wanted as he had prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, he's talking about that, 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 it, that, and he was anticipating that cross, that what was awaiting him it goes on coleman goes on to say that this was strong teaching and not many people could take it john chapter 6 verse 60 shows us this when it says that many in the group of disciples were saying literally this is a hard saying who can listen to it and verse 66 says that many who were there with him that day many of them turned back and no longer walked with him because the the hard thing in this is the point of obedience uh, that Christ calls us to, that obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross, just as he modeled for us. And, and it, being a disciple of Jesus in his earthly days and, and even today, I means to the surrender of one's life to the master as, uh, in absolute submission to his sovereignty, there can be no compromise. One, one cannot simply surrender part of their life and think Jesus is good with that. Christ's mission was death. Christ's mission was death, even that death on that cross, that he modeled that obedience that he would require of his followers. And that obedience is what he calls us to today. He doesn't call us to uh, to come to him half-heartedly or on our own terms. He calls us to come to the fullness of the calling that he has for us. And that is obedience. And that is when our, uh, our love for him uh, needs to be Wait, our love for him needs to be put into a test. And in John chapter 14, it says, Whoever has my commanded, commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 21, and, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So as Jesus is saying this, he's saying, hey, it, it, the love that you have for me needs to be reflective in the obedience, as we carry out his commandments. And we see this throughout all of John's writings. He he lays this out for us so many times to show that loving Jesus is obeying Jesus. Loving Jesus is carrying out the commands of Christ, fulfilling the great commission that as we go throughout our lives, we are to take the gospel with us. We are to go and to teach what Christ has shown us. We are to go and to lead others in the way of christ and that is to proclaim the good news that is to to take the gospel in and even to baptize in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit so and when we count the cost it's um reflective of luke 14 verse 25 uh, through 33 says now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life he cannot be my disciple Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and he's not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build a wall and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. So, as Jesus addressed large crowds of followers throughout the gospel accounts that we have, uh, he he entreats them and us to consider the entirety of his call on our lives, and um, and, and where to count that cost of following him, where to count that cost of uh, of what it may mean that when we follow Jesus, we um, put relationships on the line. When we're to follow Jesus, we we, we put uh, ourselves on the line. We lay it out there and we say for forsaking everything, forsaking all that we own, renouncing all that we have uh, for the sake of Jesus, we will do it because that's what he calls us to do. We're to, we're to not only count that cost, we're to just jump in and give our lives, give our fullness to Christ. And the men that would stick with Jesus, um, we know that they were full of faults, and even even Judas, uh, we see that he walked with Christ, uh, yet would abandon him and and, and uh, turn on him. But but these guys that, that were called to Christ to to follow and to be his apostles, they were not necessarily uh, the most educated men. They weren't. Um, they were not the highest in their seminary class uh, in order to follow him and to and to share the gospel and to walk. With him and to see his uh, modeled obedience and 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 to hear what he had to say, they would learn from him as they walked and as they learned from him, they grew in the image of Christ. They grew in him at all times. So, their at, their at, but at times their spiritual maturity would shine through much of what they what they did, especially in the fresher and greener years. When we see. Uh, Peter with a constant foot-shaped mouth or even the argument to be at uh, the right hand of Jesus in glory. But Christ was willing to, um, to to kind of put up with some of this from the apostles because of their faithful obedience. And he knew that by grace and by the work of the Spirit in them, the big key, the work of the Spirit in them, that they would be equipped to grow more and more in areas of their weakness. And just as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And verse 11, for when I am weak, Paul says, then I am strong. Uh, so grace and patience are at the center of Christ's call to us to follow him. Growth and perseverance are expected from us as fishers of men and as disciples of Jesus. We cannot possibly remain in him while remaining stagnant. We grow, we grow in him in the grace that he gives us through the spirit working in us. We grow in Christ. We grow in his word. We grow in grace towards one another and we grow in obedience to Jesus. And as our knowledge grows, so grows that trust and that obedience to Christ. And as our obedience through our obedience, it leads to more learning as more growth takes place. It leads to more uh, increased faith and trust in him so as we learn as our knowledge grows our application grows and our obedience grows and this this kind of takes a cyclical effect because as we see christ at work we want more of christ and the spirit convicts that we want and need more of christ on page uh, 56 coleman says about the commitment that we are to have to obedience in christ he says uh, this about jesus the cross was but the crowning climax of jesus's commitment to do the will of god it forever showed that obedience could not be compromised. It was always a commitment unto death and this commitment rings true today just as it did then and just as the crowds would gather around him and he would preach these things that were difficult that they they could not hear that they didn't understand what in the world it meant. It means the same thing today that our commitment to him through obedience is to the point of death Uh, To embrace Jesus uh, in this manner, to embrace him, is to engage in a war. Uh, There's a war that happens around us constantly, and we are uh, uh, engaged in that. On page 58, uh, Coleman says, "Uh, There can be no dilly-dallying around with the commands of Christ. We are engaged in warfare, the issues of which are life and death, and every day that we are indifferent to our responsibilities is a day lost to the cause of christ this war that we're engaging in is non-stop uh, it it has not just life and death earthly ramifications but uh, but has ramifications of eternal life and death and thus we must we must daily equip ourselves with the armor of God and, and be prepared for what may come our way uh, through prayer, through worship, through reading of scripture and fellowship with one another, encouragement of saints around us and taking that in. Uh, we must we must rise to the occasion and not give in to temptation to, to be what, what uh, Coleman would call a slacker on page fifty nine. We must give rise daily and preach the gospel to ourselves and reminder that hey we uh, we apart from christ and apart from the gospel uh, we have nothing we uh, have no jesus we have no eternal eternal life we have no hope so preach the gospel daily uh, just as he was um, just as he was laying out for us in scripture so we um we see several instances of jesus calling uh, calling out to his disciples in order to express what it is to love him, and that is quite simply to obey him. Um, John chapter 6 and 1 John chapter 1, and so many other passages that show us the heart uh, that is desired by Jesus of his disciples. Coleman, Coleman says that supreme obedience was in, interpreted to be the expression of love. So, where will the obedience of Christ, obedience to Christ, lead us? And that answer should be absolutely anywhere he calls. Hope you have a great day and um, know that we pray for you and are thankful for you joining us on this journey.
0: Thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Honduras. We are praying for all the children in the care of Dinah for them to know Christ and to know their value in Him. We're praying for the transition that will take place in the government due to the recent adaptation and signing of Hague. We're praying that we could build stronger relationships with the central authority and the individuals who work for Dinaf, which is the central authority. We're praying for them as they implement the new adoption law and the new policies. We're praying that the children would benefit through these policies and that ultimately the government would see the urgency of caring for these children and placing them. We pray for the judges who are making the decisions that impact adoption as well as those that will make the rulings and that they will choose to do the right thing and to do it in a timely manner. We pray for the children to be reunified with their birth families or for them to be properly declared abandoned so they can be adopted. We pray for our team on the ground in Honduras, for Carmen and Livio, our attorney and representative. We pray for the wisdom and creativity and endurance as they go to the courts and the central authority to advocate for families and children. We pray for them to build good relationships as they work alongside Dinaf on family cases. And we pray for families in the process. These are long, hard, difficult processes. And we pray for their patience. And we ultimately pray for their hearts. And we praise the Lord for those families that we do have in the process now. We're thankful for their passion and dedication to the culture in the country of Honduras. And we pray that they will continue to endure with patience through this program. We pray for families that are pursuing specific children that they've fostered in the past or have a relationship with already. And we're praising the Lord for our team, uh, not just on the ground with Carmen and Livio, but also with Josh and Beth and Vera. We pray that the Lord will continue to give them wisdom and discernment as they navigate the family and they navigate the program and support the families. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to work in Honduras. And Lord, we just ultimately would pray that these children would know their value in Christ, uh, that they would know their worth as created in the image of God. Lord, we just ask that you would just use this process uh, that Lifeline is on, that we have more Contact with children and families, and Lord, that we would be able to share the majesty uh, and the splendor of our holy God, and that we'd be able to, to share the gospel not only with the children but also with the government. Lord, we pray for those leaders that are there as Hague has been signed and these policies are being adapted. We just ask for wisdom for those in charge, but also for just clarity as they make policies that will be for the betterment of children, either to be reunified more quickly with their families or to be declared abandoned so that they can find permanency through adoption. Lord, we thank you for Carmen and Livio, our our attorney and representative on the ground. We just ask that you would continue to bless them with wisdom and endurance. And Father, we just also pray for all of those families in this process, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them endurance, that you would give them patience to continue to do the things that you've called them to do. And Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, and we thank you for Jesus, the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith. And it's your great name that we pray the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.